the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. News. WTBN. Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. So in light of of the Corinthians' poor spiritual health, their condition, Paul gave them a very clear command, separate, separate yourselves from being bound with unbelievers. Don't do that. But he doesn't stop there. Paul doesn't just tell them what to do. He actually proceeds in in the verses that follow to explain why. And today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will be helping us understand the reasons Paul gave for us to stay spiritually separated from unbelievers. And they're really good reasons, too. Thanks for tuning in today. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. And he's guiding us in a series of studies from 2 Corinthians chapter 6 about spiritual separation. In our last class, Pastor Steve had mentioned that people in his congregation could email him if they had questions. Well, someone did that. They asked about what to do if a relative you're visiting invites you to go with them to their liberal church. And he pointed out that since you're not entering into a spiritual alliance, there's really no harm in that. And in fact, refusing the invitation might actually be bad for your testimony. This person had another question. Let's listen now as Pastor Steve deals with that and then goes on to help us learn how to make these decisions wisely. Also, the question was raised, what about... Uh, what about attending a wedding or a funeral in a church that doesn't preach the gospel? Once again, attending a wedding or a funeral in a church that doesn't preach the gospel is not partnering with unbelievers. You're simply in attendance. I would caution you if you are uh, a part of that in attendance and they have some type of a worship uh, atmosphere, do not participate in false worship such as a mass. Don't do that. And I would also add to give some biblical uh, substance to this, did not the Apostle Paul attend the synagogue after he came to Christ. Now, I know it was primarily to preach the gospel, but he was there. He wasn't partnering with them, but he was there. And also, Paul went to the temple in Jerusalem. So the point is, is that visiting on occasion, because you find yourself in a situation like that, uh, in my judgment, does not violate what the Apostle Paul is teaching us here. What Paul is clearly teaching is against any official spiritual alliance with non-Christians partnering with them. This is a serious issue. This is a very serious issue because it, it would, if you do this, if you violate the scripture, it would adversely affect your spiritual life. Just as the Corinthians were hampered in their love for Paul and their love for the truth. You can't separate Paul from the truth. Why were they like that? Because constant exposure to error does that. It wears you down. It calluses you to the truth. It crowds out the truth from your heart. By doing that, if you and I were to do that and we were to partner with unbelievers in any type of a cooperative effort, those who propagate error, we would hear it over and over and over again. It would eventually wear you down and hinder your love for Christ and his word. And let me, let me show you this from 2 Timothy 
chapter 2. You have an illustration that Paul gives about this very issue. Now, Paul wrote to Timothy while he was at the church at Ephesus. He was sent there in order to straighten out the problems in that church. And quite frankly, the major problem in that church were the leaders. They had unsaved leaders. They had leaders who, elders who were, uh, some were not even saved. Some were false teachers. Some were, uh, were off on some weird doctrine. And that was the major problem. It was a problem from within. And Paul sends his apostolic representative, Timothy, there to straighten them out. That's why he gives the guidelines in uh, 1 Timothy 3 about the 20 qualifications for an elder. He's talking about weed out the men in your church who are not qualified and add those who are. But in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, notice verse 15. He writes, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of God. Timothy, I want you to make sure, and literally it means cut it straight. Cut it straight. Uh, take the individual parts of Scripture, cut it straight, do it right, interpret it properly, and then when you put it together, it will be the accurate handling of the word of God. But he tells him in verse 16 what to avoid. But avoid worldly and empty chatter. Be in the word, but avoid, he's saying, worldly and empty chatter. Why? And the empty chatter, I might add, is the stuff that was going on in the church. For it will lead to further ungodliness. It doesn't stay the way it is. It will lead to further ungodliness. And their talk, and he's talking here about leaders in the church, their talk will spread like gangrene. It's like a cancer. It doesn't remain like it is. It's not, it's not stagnant. It will continue. And then he, he mentions two of the leaders. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. And what was their error? He said, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place. And they upset the faith of some. They upset the faith of some because they're in the church teaching it, he's saying. I mean, the point here is, is this. You cannot mix truth and error in a church setting. You can't do that. It will have an adverse effect on you. You will not grow stronger, but it will spread like gangrene, he says. In fact, even outside of the church, to partner with unbelievers is going to hurt us spiritually. This is why those Christians who marry non-Christians, and I think that's a valid application of what Paul is saying. I don't think it's his main point. I think it's a valid application because there's no more uh, no more of a spiritual alliance than marriage. But those who marry non-Christians or those who form business partnerships with the unsaved, and once again, that is a spiritual relationship because your faith has to be evident in your, your whole value system and, and your business ethics. Those who do that find themselves losing their zeal and passion for Christ and the things of God. Their love waxes cold towards the truth, constant exposure to falsehood and error. That's what happens. So this is very, very important for us to understand. And I realize that this sounds harsh. I realize that it sounds hard when you start mentioning names like Billy Graham and the Roman Catholic Church. I I know that that doesn't sound loving. It sounds unloving. It sounds intolerant. But it is important to understand and remember that the man who wrote these words to the Corinthians, loved them dearly. No one loved them more than the Apostle Paul. He is the same man who said, my heart is is open wide to you. Open your heart to me. It's not a problem on my part. I love you. In fact, didn't he say earlier in the letter that when he wrote to them, he wrote to them with tears? 
Paul deeply loved them, and it's precisely because he loved them so much that he has the integrity and the passion and the, and the compassion to, to write them about their failure to separate themselves from these religious alliances, and he, he loves them enough to tell them that it was having a negative effect on their spiritual lives, even if they thought it was unloving and, and harsh. Instead of deepening their love for Christ and the truths, they were moving away. So you see, folks, whenever you align yourself with non-Christians in a common spiritual enterprise, even, and watch this, even if it involves a good moral conservative cause, and that would be some type of uh, political issue or even the abortion issue, even if, if you join with unbelievers in that, you do run the risk of compromising the gospel. How does that work? You compromise the gospel because now you've put yourself in a position where you are hesitant to speak out freely about Christ and the Bible since you wouldn't want to offend your colleagues. You agree with them on this one issue, but uh, you might upset them if you share the gospel. And that's where it often begins. We get silence. We get silence, but it doesn't stop there. As Spurgeon put it, it has a downgrade effect. From silence of the truth, you eventually find yourself weakened in your, in your zeal, your passion for the truth and for Christ. And eventually, you're zapped of any spiritual vitality of zeal for the Lord. And the truths which you once found so precious and so special and a treasure that you wanted to share with others now, instead of presenting the gospel and defending the gospel, you find yourself overly concerned about not offending anyone with the gospel because you've got a, a common cause and you wouldn't want to alienate them. That's the danger. That's why it's a downgrade. So in light of, of the Corinthians' poor spiritual health, their condition, Paul gave them a very clear command, separate, separate yourselves from being bound with unbelievers. Don't do that. But he doesn't stop there. Paul doesn't just tell them, what to do, he actually proceeds in the, in the verses that follow to explain why they should do this. He didn't just give them a command. He gave substance. Why should they separate from unbelievers? Paul presents several reasons why believers and unbelievers cannot have spiritual fellowship. This is why you and I cannot have spiritual fellowship with non-Christians. We can do a lot of things with non-Christians, but not spiritual fellowship. Now, we began to look at the first of these reasons last week, so let's, let's just delve into it a little bit, and then we'll tie it together. The first reason believers should separate themselves from unbelievers is believers and unbelievers are spiritually incompatible. They are complete opposites. He writes from verses 14 through 16, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Belial is another name for Satan. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Now, these are five questions that Paul asks, and each question uh, demands a negative response. He doesn't even have to answer it. They're, they're self-evident, obvious. The answer is nothing. He compares believers here with unbelievers and shows that they are complete spiritual opposites. They, they cannot have common ground when it comes to the truth of God. He starts off by showing us that they have opposite natures. He says in verse 14, for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? By their very nature, by their very natures, believers and unbelievers are diametrically opposed to each other. 
their nature, their, their intrinsic makeup. Believers have been given at the moment of salvation, at the moment of salvation and conversion, a righteous nature. We're not righteous in and of ourselves, but we have been given a new heart. That's what regeneration is about. That's what it means to be born again. You get a new heart. Peter calls it a divine nature. Yes, we still struggle with sin, but sin doesn't dominate us anymore. We have a divine nature, and that righteous divine nature produces within us a love for righteousness, a love for obedience. We desire to walk in the light of obedience. Anybody who doesn't have that is not a Christian. That's the evidence of being a Christian. On the other hand, unbelievers don't have that. They have and are controlled by the same sinful natures that they were born with, that we were all born with. But nothing has changed with them, and those sinful natures compel them to be lawless and to walk in darkness. They're just following their nature. That's the nature of an unbeliever. But, Paul goes on to say, believers and unbelievers aren't only spiritually incompatible because they have different natures. They are spiritually incompatible also because they have different leaders. We follow someone completely different. Verse 15, or what harmony has Christ with Belial? This question, Paul takes the leader of all believers, the Lord Jesus himself, and the leader of all unbelievers, whether they personally acknowledge even the existence of Satan, but he is their leader, takes them, Satan, Belial means worthless one. Belial is an Old Testament uh, term. You'll, you'll read in the Old Testament about the sons of Belial. It means the sons of the, of the worthless one. In uh, the Greek language, about the time of the, that the New Testament was written, this was a word that was used to refer to Satan. So it's an old ancient word for Satan. So Paul takes Jesus and he takes Satan and he says, what, what harmony could they possibly have? This is a wonderful word, this word harmony. We get our, uh, we get our English word symphony or harmony from this, this Greek word. The symphony, basically everyone agrees to be in agreement to play the same musical score, obey the same musical director. You don't do that, you don't have harmony. You don't have agreement. Paul says, Christ and Satan have no agreement. There's no harmony. Jesus, the one we follow, and Satan, the one that unbelievers follow, have absolutely no cooperative effort amongst them. Jesus is the exalted one. Satan is the ultimate worthless one. Jesus is the worthy one. Satan is the worthless one. They can never unite because they are diametrically opposed to each other. I mean, we, we, we hardly even have to explain this, but let's, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul gives an example of this in verses 3 and 4. He's speaking about the gospel here. He's speaking about the, the superiority of the message of grace over the message of law because grace tells you how to be saved. Law tells you that you need to be saved. And he says, in light of preaching the gospel, why is it that people don't believe it? Verse 3, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. There's a blindness there. Paul says we're preaching the truth, but there's a a, a covering. Who put it there? Verse 4, in whose case the God of this world, that would be the devil, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this world spreads darkness by blinding people to the truths of God and Christ, on the other hand, brings the light of the gospel to those who walk in darkness. Jesus is the truth. Satan is the father of lies. That's what Jesus said about him in John 8, 44. He said, you are of your father, the devil. He is a murderer. He is a liar from the beginning. 
which means that Satan is the source of all false religion. You understand that? That uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he said to the Corinthians, he said, no, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons. They're actually involved in demon worship, he says. And he says, you can't be like that. Now, why were they sacrificing to demons? Well, I don't think they thought of it as that. But Paul is saying that all fa- behind all false religion is Satan, and specifically a demon. Now, they may not realize that, but there are, there are demons who impersonate idols. Every false religion is satanically uh, originated. He's the father of it, whether it's Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, any cult, any false, any of the mainline liberal churches, Roman Catholicism, all that. Satan is behind it. That's what Scripture teaches. In 1 Timothy 4.1, Paul said that in the latter days, some will depart from the faith because they will have been seduced by doctrines of demons. And 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he writes to them and says that you've been seduced by false apostles who disguise themselves as ambassadors of light, but they're really Satan's ambassadors. See, this is one reason why false religion has such an appeal to people. There can be the supernatural involved, but it's just not God's work. It's not divine. It It is supernatural, but it's satanic. Satan sought also to destroy Christ and thought he had accomplished this by the cross, but it was the cross that, by the cross that Jesus actually destroyed Satan's power and he will ultimately send the devil into the eternal lake of fire. So I want you to know that when Paul says, what, what harmony is there? The answer is none, of course not. Paul's point is that Christ and Satan are at war. So why would we form an alliance with those who follow our master's enemy? It doesn't make sense. It's irrational. If Christ and Satan have nothing in common with one another, then how can there be any harmony between those who belong to Christ and those who belong to Satan? Can't. Can't. Our value system, our beliefs will not allow it. So don't form any kind of spiritual alliance with them. If you do, you're asking for trouble. And there have been many uh, churches that have gotten this type of trouble. Uh, Churches who have official boards, whether they call themselves elders or deacons or trustees, who some members on the board are believers and some are unbelievers. You can't have that. We have some of our own men who have gone out from here to uh, pastor rural churches, the mission field. And when they get there, they realize that half the board's not even a Christian. Uh, What what do you do in that case? Well, how can there be any kind of harmony? Because Christ has his standards and Satan has his standards. Christ has his purposes. Satan has his purposes. And that's why also when a Christian marries a non-Christian, they're asking for trouble. You can't you can't have Jesus and Satan being in-laws. That doesn't work. You're never going to have harmony there. So that's Paul's point. Paul had a deep concern for the Corinthians because they were partnering with those who were in error and, and they had lost their love for the truth. And folks, we've got to guard our, our hearts from that. How is your heart today? How is your inner man? Do you love Christ and the things of God? Or do you find that your, your appetite for the scriptures, for the truth, are not what they should be. Maybe you've been involved in some type of of a love affair with something of the world, and it's robbing you of your love for Christ. You can't have both. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in Christ and his word. That's what the Corinthians were trying to do, and it it was a disaster. That's why, as I told you last week, this was, of all the churches, the most messed up church. 
And it is remarkable, as I said last week, that so many in the charismatic movement want to pattern themselves after the Corinthians. This would be the last church that I'd want to pattern myself after. This morning, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we want to remind ourselves that we follow one Lord, Jesus. And in following that one Lord, we do make some hard decisions that people will misunderstand. We, it may be that you, you'll have to break off certain relationships, that you'll have to stop being bound with unbelievers in a spiritual enterprise. It, it may mean that you'll be like Spurgeon criticized and opposed by some, but that's what it means to follow Christ, be a disciple of his. And we want to remind ourselves that Jesus died on the cross so that he would redeem a people who followed him, redeem a people who loved him and and were committed to pursuing godliness at all costs. He died for our sins to save us and to make us into his people. If there's anything in your life that would hinder your love for him and his word, then you need to confess it now. You need to repent, need to turn from it. Any unhealthy alliances, they need to be broken. This is a time where we allow the Lord to examine our hearts. This is the time where we remember that Christ died for our sins. This is the time we affirm that we are the body of Christ, true, genuine believers in him. This is only for believers. If you're not a a Christian, uh, we're so glad that you're here to hear the word of God, but this is not for you. Just let the elements pass you by. If you're a believer who's in sin, and I'm not talking about you're struggling with sin. I'm talking about there's a sin issue that you refuse to turn from. You need to turn from that now. But if you don't do that, then my advice to you would be don't take the Lord's Supper. Don't partake of that because Paul said some of the Corinthians did that and God had to severely discipline them. Better to make sure you judge yourself before he has to judge you. Let's bow for prayer. And as we do that, I'm going to ask our leaders to come forward and they're going to pass out the elements. But let's, uh, let's have a few moments of silence before, before Christ and we'll, um, we'll allow you to speak to him about anything that you need to. Gentlemen, if you want to stand, I'm going to lead in prayer and we'll let our folks have some a time of prayer too. Just a few moments of silence and then prayer and then we'll pass out the elements. Father, we recognize that it is one thing to sing praises about Christ, but quite another thing to make some hard decisions that, that cost us dearly to separate from unbelievers. Criticized, misunderstood, and yet we affirm that Jesus is our Lord. We don't, we don't follow our feelings. We don't follow our heart's inclinations. We follow the word of God. You are the head of the church, Lord, and we bow in submission to you, recognizing who you are, recognizing who we are. And Lord, as we partake, as we come to the Lord's Supper, may we not be like the Corinthians who partook of, of the Supper of demons as well as the Lord's Supper. We can't mix truth and error. So now may our hearts be clean before you. May there be repentance in our lives, cleanliness that comes from the blood of Christ. We pray this in his precious name. Amen. The importance of our love for Christ and for his word cannot be overstated. Everything swings on those hinges. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Find out more about Lakeside at lakesidechapel.com or call the office at 727-441-1714. You can also call that number if you'd like to have a free audio CD with the message Pastor Steve just concluded. 
Ask for message 640, Spiritual Separation, Part 2. The phone number again is 727-441-1714. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported program. If you'd like to help us cover the costs of production and airtime, you can do so by phone or online. Call Lakeside at 727-441-1714 or visit the Verse by Verse website, versebyverseradio.org. Click the tab for the giving page to get more information. And we are grateful for the generous listeners who make these radio Bible classes possible. Oh, and don't forget our message archive page where you can stream or download any of the hundreds of previous broadcasts for free. That's at versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. In the chapter before the one we're studying now, Paul told the Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So we shouldn't be surprised at the spiritual incompatibility of the saved and the unsaved. Nevertheless, it's easy to get drawn into partnership with those who only pretend to be the church. Perhaps we'd take Paul's admonitions more seriously if we saw the danger more clearly. In our study of 2 Corinthians 6, we've spent two sessions on the first part of verse 15. Next time on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will be back to move on to the rest of verse 15. I hope you can join us. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.